What's good, people? This is the Option Podcast. This is episode 172. It ain't a schwang, or maybe it is a schwang. That guy looks like John Schwangle. We're going to find out in a minute. The episode starts right now. What's up, John? What's up? Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Guess who's back, people? You have yeah. asked, and you have asked, and you have asked, and now you shall receive. Because I got to do it. Because it's John in the house. Ready? I've got to give the people, give the people what they want. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> What's up, brother? What's up? Cool, man. Just came from practice? Uh, no, nah, no practice today. We flew back in um, yesterday from Texas. We were out in Houston playing the uh, the Third Coast, like uh, AVP Big Money Tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to, wow, talk to me about that. What's that? What was that about? Um. Well, yeah, we got into Miami. B- a bunch of stuff happened. We didn't end up going to Miami. We, we got in like three days before some stuff happened. We weren't able to go. Um. And then we were planning, like, the, the plan of the trip was to go to Miami, hopefully qualify, if not, hit that Texas tournament on the way back. And then wasn't able to go to Miami, and then we just ended up, uh, I wasn't able to make my flight on Wednesday. And what, then, um, so then we just went to the Texas tournament, and that was it. What part of Texas? Houston. And what was it? Uh, Third Coast. It's like the, they, all, they have, like, a different name every year. It was, like, an yeah. AVP big money tournament. Um Devin did the math on it. He thought it would be good points for us. He he told us that we should go out, or told me that we should go out there. So we went. We tried it. Third Coast. You ever seen that place before? Yeah, awesome. I was um, I was doing a doc- documentary last year called Club Coach. Okay. And I, I hit up fifteen different cities. Yeah. Drove. Started from Phoenix, South Texas, mm-hmm. New Orleans, Na- Nashville. You know where, where John John Hyden's yeah. at, and um, Chicago, Wisco, Utah. <laughs> they, yeah. I mean, uh, Denver for that AVP. I think I saw you there. Totally. Um, wow, that was a great, great. Um, I, I, I think you were beating Jeff and um, was it you? You were playing Jeff and Chris Vaughn or something like that in Denver or something like that. that was crazy. Uh, no, no, no. That was me. That was me and Rice. We. Oh, we you and Rice. Yeah. yeah. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't qualify for that one. Look good though. I mean, I'm, yeah. I came in. Uh, maybe Denver, I should have stayed. Denver's I could have cool been too. your good luck yeah, charm. Seriously. Wasn't Denver cool? Denver was cool. I like that. I'd never been there before. Yeah. I like the the spot. But Third Coast, dude. Yeah, tell I, me. Like, I, I don't know if there's a better venue in the country for like, like, uh, like bar volleyball. You know, night lights. It's, it's perfect. Night really lights. Pretty. The TVs. The fires. And that's the in Houston. Seating. Yeah, Houston. Yeah. It's awesome. It's really, really awesome. And they do they do a really good job of running the tournaments out there too. They Texas has become the de facto California for like at least for indoor, right? Like if you look at the club scene for beach, we're both beach coaches and we're both indoor coaches and and now it's like when you see a team from Texas, you see four three two, you see six nine two and you're just like Man, girls, hey, pack a lunch. Yeah. <laughs> this, it's, like, it's not the you same know. as the other states, right? Where you see like the Missouri club or something like yeah. that. Like, All right, let's, let's see how they let's are. Let's see you how know, they warm up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Texas, they're legit now. I think as a club coach, we have to mm-hmm. have uh, an innate ability to diagnose um, on the spot, watching people warm up, right? Because some of them, 100%. Yeah, especially for juniors, you watch someone warm up and you're like, have you, what do you know about these girls? <laughs> Your coach is like, so coach, what do you know about these yeah, girls? Yeah. And you're just like... I don't know. <laughs> you know what's the funny thing about that is like yeah. as as a coach too, you're always telling your players every single time, right? Like 
Who cares about their hitting lines? So what? They bounce a ball. So what? Yeah. So what? So what? Nine times out of ten, though, team with the better hitting lines is usually usually really better, right? You're, you're, you're like you're watching the team and you're like, oh man, we're screwed. And then you're going to tell the girls like, yeah. ah, they, we'll make it so they can't pass and they can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you're telling the players all what coaches are really thinking yeah. while we're and while we're saying something else, right? Yeah, it's exactly. like, ah, I don't let that bother you, you know. And I think we as coaches do that because we. <laughs> How many times have and you, you, John? You and I, we've coached really, really good programs. We've coached average programs, right? And so, yeah. so we've been on the, both ends of the stick. How many times have you been on a team and you watch the other team warm up and some of your players like already lost, um, like before the match starts? It's, I mean, it. For the funny thing for girls is it's not because I'm only doing girls now. I haven't okay. I haven't done boys in like a year or two. Um, the boys are usually the ones who will watch the hitting lines and be like. Oh God! Because I mean, what what are, what are guys there to do at a club tournament? You know, except just, hit, like, bounce balls. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's like, like they're they're looking forward to the hitting lines more than the games. But um, the girls, it's usually even before the hitting lines. Like, oh God, we're playing T Street, or oh God, we're playing Wave. You right. Know? Um, the hitting lines, at least for, at least for for me, it hasn't been the biggest thing. It's more just the the caliber of the club, or like they've heard of the team before or something. They're they're a little bit nervous beforehand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like being on clubs where the girls are unassuming. Right now, I'm with LA Volleyball Club. Right, we um, we only have really one or age, one or two teams for each age group or mm -hmm. whatever. And actually, Red Rock was cool because <clears throat> we only have two 14s and both teams made gold. Awesome, so, and that's rare, right? Yeah, like you totally. see SCVC and two two teams make it. You, you kind of get it because it's like eight of them or whatever yeah but, seriously but um some really shout out to Kamalu shout out to Jason Olive old an old head you might may or may not know. Um, shout out to our personal trainer. Just, just a great one's a developmental team, and one's like, yeah. The 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 ones team has one of the best fourteen year olds I've ever seen. A setter. Okay. I've never seen anyone like that. Just she has this European release. Mm -hmm. You know, because most kids, you you teach them the dish it a little bit because yeah. uh, you're you're trying to teach them um, a fluidity teaching tool. Totally. But this that, one, that's what, that's what but I like this one's too, just yeah. flinging it, dude. Just interesting. Whoa, 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 yeah, just decent height. Yeah. Very slim, very cool-headed. So I want to go back to Texas. Yeah. I want to go back to Houston because I veer off, and I'm sorry about that. No, no, you're good. Um, so the venue's got night lights. How many courts? Um, like three or three, maybe? Oh, no, 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 no. They've got... Uh, oh, my God. It's like Sandbar, 10 huh? or more. 10 yeah. Or more. yeah. You ever right. been Sandbar in Dallas? Yes, I have. Yeah. Just once, but I've been there, yeah. That's, that that's, place is big. Oh, um, great. Sideliners, San Antonio. That's, mm -hmm. probably, that's probably my favorite place to play in Texas. Nice. Um, the courts aren't quite. It's still a very nice place. Not quite as like nice as Third Coast, but the competition's always the best. The money's always the best at yeah. uh, Sideliners, San Antonio. How'd you guys do right there? Not great. Big guy had body problems. It was freezing cold, and oh, geez, he yeah. got hurt in like our third match. And then mm. we ended up playing five or six, and like kind of making it work. But he, yeah, struggling. But other, I, other than that, things were things were great. Like we, um, you know, you know, did you know I got really sick? For, for a while I was because I, I was really sick um and this is kind of like my first tournament back and since uh being, being that bad and it was like just really reassuring to see like my body can handle it now and I'm back yeah. tell everybody what happened um I mean you could reveal whatever you want but this is the oh yeah, yeah this, yeah, this no, is the option I'm just yeah I'm not trying to man. take time time for well from, uh, it's about you stuff, but yeah so uh <laughs> starting Starting like June, um, July, August, somewhere around there. It's it's hard to tell when I started to get sick because um, 
it went like really gradually and slowly at the start, but um, started getting like really easily fatigued, um, had a lot of trouble eating, uh, really bad like headaches, migraines, stuff like that um, every day. Um, it started not that bad and I thought I was just like, I needed to manage my hydration or something like that. Um, got, kept getting worse and worse and worse right after Huntington, which was our last tournament of the year. It started to get pretty bad. I lost a ton of weight. Uh, yeah, I lost like 25 pounds. I was just like shedding oh weight. Oh my God, you, you are already you, yeah, thin. Yeah, you know me. I can't afford to lose what? that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm usually like, like... Give me that disease, yeah, dude. <laughs> I, yeah, so I'm usually running at like 165. I got down to like 140. I was just skin and bones. Right. Um, uh, it got to the point too where like I couldn't, I couldn't really play. It was making me too fatigued. And I'd go coach a club practice at night. And I'd come back to like come back exhausted. to my apartment. Like I, nothing I, I just felt like I played a tournament. Right. And I was like, oh my god, I can't. I I'd, I'd get tired sitting down doing homework. I'd get like physically Jeez. fatigued. It was very weird. Um, was going to the doctors every week, getting blood tests every week. Nobody could really figure out what was going on with me. Um, they 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 were pretty convinced it was something autoimmune, but still still they don't really know. Um, they found out that I was hypothyroid. Um, so then to just try to fight that I, I went gluten-free started feeling a ton better um then i started experimenting with my diet a lot um went completely like grain-free so that's like no bread no rice no um pasta no anything like that there's a big lie in america about grain but totally but let's, yeah the, let's, let's the carb heavy focused. diet yeah totally yeah. um well it's fine. like what, what you're talking about that's that's what i was because i was going yeah. to the doctors every day and then mm -hmm. i just come home and i'd be on online, be on YouTube, be everywhere, just trying to figure out things for myself. Because when I go to the doctor every day and they're saying, yeah, we still don't know. And I'm going right. back home with no answers. Like, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to research it myself. Good for you. Um, so then eventually, like after a lot of experimentation, uh, I just went completely grain-free, high-fat diet. Um, and now I'm basically only doing beef, veggies, fruit milk and eggs and that's quasi, like, so quasi keto yeah. yeah and that's like the that's the whole diet and mm -hmm. after doing that um for about a month my everything just completely fixed itself and god i was doing the milk and eggs a lot so i because to get the weight back up you yeah. know and, and eggs are a great fat burner dude 100%. like in the top 10 fat burner i think eggs are like four or five yeah but but um, but yeah, it it all fixed itself. The diet, like figured it out with the diet. I guess I was just like incredibly allergic or intolerant to gluten and grains yeah. or something like that. Um, but yeah, I'm so glad I fit. They still don't really know. Um, that's like kind of our assumption as to what was wrong, but they mm -hmm. still don't know what was going on with me. Um, there's some, but it's all fixed, dude. Now. There's some effery going on with like the grain and bread items, particularly on this side of the West Coast, right? Like 100%. I've eaten pizza my entire life and never got fat. Yeah, and I come here and I have like pizza and and I'm and I feel fat. So maybe it's a soft water, hard water thing. But um, getting back to what you were talking about, um, I don't know if you remember. Like a year ago, I went on the carnivore diet. Did Cause, you? Yeah, because yeah, you because something you and I both like to do. We, it's our body, you know. Totally. Crime, crimes against ourselves, uh, yeah. you know. No, so I did, I'm committing uh, it. Go yeah, ahead. I was uh, when, like when I was telling you, I was doing all this experimentation. Mm -hmm. um, I was I was vegan for about a year, like two or three years ago. But I went. Tried vegan again, uh, tried carnivore, and I did one right after the other, which was pretty like extreme. <laughs> like, so I went straight from vegan. You're and I was insane. Like, yeah, and I was like, You're insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh hey, I was God. feeling so bad. I was trying mm -hmm. everything that I could, but uh, I, I literally went vegan, yeah. 
carnivore. Carnivore wasn't working. I tried um, lion diet. You ever heard of that? That's I have. Carnivore yeah. just way gnarlier. Because um, that's just beef, Works. salt, and water. Oh, that's that's lion diet. That's unique. And um, and then from there, I went to uh, a buddy of mine. He really recommended for me uh, raw milk. You know, you know, raw, unpasteurized yep. raw milk. Because mm-hmm. um, I can't do dairy in general. If I drink whole milk, I get sick. But then I drink raw milk, and I feel great. There it um, is. So then I started with the raw milk a little bit, loved it. And from there, I kind of, the gears started turning a little bit, turn it going from, because uh, before before that, I was really high carb, really high protein, low fat, mm-hmm. kind of what they recommend, you know? And then I, I switched to yeah. kind of lower carb, high fat, high protein, and just started feeling amazing. So much more energy, so much more satiety, so much, um, just everything really improves. Well, the high, the high protein, high fat is important for athletes because one, when you start it, you have to give your body a couple of days, if not a week or two, to, to assimilate to, to what it's getting totally. fed and whatever. Yeah. And when that happens, all of a sudden your energy shoots to the roof. All of a sudden, you, yeah. you're, you're, you know, you can do a, a, a magic mic show in Vegas and drive to the tournament the next day and yeah. you're like, that's all you got? What else you got? Totally. So, so for me, uh, uh, the month of March last year, a mm-hmm. year ago, I did a carnivore diet. I had someone on the podcast. Um, How'd you feel? Two guys. And one he's one guy's named Dr. Bart K. He has okay. four advanced medical degrees, but he's the leader of the meat militia. He's got the military helmet, everything. Yeah. And then another guy who wrote a book called How Rheumatoid Arthritis Was the Best Thing That Happened to Me. Mm-hmm. He was on a slew of medications and then he went to Dr. Bart K. Yeah. And he did carnivore only and the rheumatoid arthritis went away. And the doctor was like, You have to stop this diet. You need to go back on the medications. And he told the doctor, Hey. Nice meeting you. Totally. I'm out of here, right? Because like you said, we, the patients, have to know what's right and what's what's whatever. Yeah. I understand that the people that, that are that are more advanced as far as the, the science and the biology behind it, but we ain't got time for that. We got we yeah. can only have time to know what works and what doesn't. Well, so, I think everybody's so, different too, you know, yeah. like different diets are gonna work for different people. I don't think it's yeah. really cookie cutter, like you eat no. this, you're gonna be healthy. You know, people have different backgrounds, they're coming from different places that I have lost, di- very different diets, you know. Dude, I lost eleven pounds awesome. that month. My energy shot through the roof. Yeah, right. It was amazing, and it wasn't uh, the lion diet. It was beef. It was, and I made my I made my own steak. You know, go on YouTube. You know how to marinate and make totally, your own yeah. steak. Um, salmon, yeah. which was a great source of omega three. Yep. Um, also, like I don't know if you know about the East Coast, like New York, two thirds of the population is low vitamin D. But the same thing, the same yeah. thing's not California because they get their their vitamin D and they get their outdoor activity totally. um, more months out of the year. So yeah. that just makes um, science, notwithstanding, that makes um, historical and chronological sense, yeah. right? Hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Um, and I became a little neuro- neurologically addicted to pasta. We kind of went back to the other things, but um, this month I'm back on it again. I just, you, you know, I'm like, why am I eating that giant pretzel? Because my daughter's, I'm a, I'm a bruise hall, right? Mm-hmm. With my daughter. Yeah. And, and that blew, something blew up on the internet about that. I'll tell you about later. But, okay. but um, <laughs> it's hilarious. And I'm like, that's not something I ate in New York. Yeah. And, and the bread out here sucks. So what the hell am I doing? So, yeah, right? but the only thing you need to be careful of, just from uh, someone who speaks from experience, and yeah. I also worked in a cardiology practice for 17 years, um, and I also used to weigh 265 pounds. So mm-hmm. talk about experiments wow. and talking yeah, about finding where it works or whatever. Um, for the people who go on carnivore diets, please, please make sure you, you get your you get your source of vitamin C because. Um, anthropologically speaking, oh, we yeah. as human beings used to be able to reproduce our own vitamin C. Not anymore. But like 700 years ago, I think, or something like that. The like, only animal on earth that doesn't produce its own vitamin yeah, C. But yeah. we used to. Yeah. Uh, but something happened. We, came co- <clears throat> we became codependent on it. Like, 
few hundred years ago and then they had kids and they had kids and now it's gone so then that's uh, um again so that's that's really interesting yeah. i didn't i didn't know that we ever did i knew we did yeah. i knew now because i'm mm -hmm. eating tangerines like I yeah, don't know, like they're peanuts. You know, just it's like important every day. Eating yeah. A ton so of that them, was but, the uh, so for people on the carnivore diet, you pretty much get everything you need from that. Um, iron, right? Omega three. Oh, yeah. uh, this and that, but really, really make sure you, you know, you 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 take care of your vitamin C. Totally. You know, and and you don't have to worry about the acidic process if you're like doing something like John Schwengel's doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's pretty cool. Well, and yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> At this point, too, I think the kind of the healthiest thing that I I like to recommend to people, like since I since I tried everything, and um, mm -hmm. it's just like whole food diet, you know, just whole foods, and you'll be, it's it's really hard to be unhealthy unless you have like allergies or something like that. If you're doing like whole food, it depends on where you live. Like if you live in Harlem, yeah. If you live in Harlem, it's easier to be unhealthy, right? Totally. Like like uh, fifty cent soda is gonna co is gonna cost less than. You know what I'm saying? 30 yeah. calorie Tropicana, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or like Tropicana 50, Trop you know, the light one, yeah. which has like, I think, eight grams of sugar as, instead of 34. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like a salad in New York will cost you eight bucks where like McDonald's, the McChicken, you know what I'm saying? The double 100%. cheeseburger is only going to cost two bucks. So, yeah. so I guess I, I, you are right. If, if you're in this right setting, the fruit set, wow, apple. Yeah. Get my boron on twenty my my vitamin C and my boron yeah, on for totally. for um that's only only fruit that has boron I think that's a high source of boron too so yeah. um how you like them apples yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. nutrition facts by two volleyball players yeah. who knew I tell you who knew people that follow this podcast yeah. John um yeah so funny thing that happened I, I had um dinner with my 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 daughter Saturday mm -hmm. and um. I was just trying to make a joke, and I said, I have a confession to make. When my wife's not around, I'm hanging out with a hot blonde, right? <laughs> so, and everyone see, they reads the words, and they see the picture, and they, they see Braxton, and they're just, oh, he got me. But, like, one of my friends is like, oh, that shouldn't, you know, that's not cool. You, you, you're sexualizing the child and all that stuff. And I'm just like, and you can see John's face right now on the camera, like. <laughs> yeah, everybody's got something to say about it. I know, right? <laughs> but I just think that, uh, um, I guess I, I, I want to move on to volleyball, but I just want to convey to our audience: sometimes telling a joke is all that it is. It's just a joke. It's it's yeah. it's, and it's one of those things where collectively, if we can all laugh together, then that's fine. If someone has a problem with a joke, I don't cancel them. I engage, but if they're still kind of set in their ways, I'm like, all right, it is what it is, you know. But I think satire is important, you yeah. know. Like well, it's it's all intention, right? Yeah, it's all the intent, like. Knowing no. you and everybody who knows, like I'm sure, ninety-five, ninety-nine percent of people who know you and saw mm -hmm. that were like, "That's a joke." Whether right. they thought it was funny or not, like no. that's a joke. Got a hundred likes. I mean, yeah. yeah. And then it's like, I don't know. Everybody's got something to say about everything now. It seems like, I, and it's just like it's, yeah. it's your thing, you know. And mm -hmm. you can laugh at everything else, but then it's your thing, and it's like, oh, that's not funny. And I listen. I think the whole reason why we're hypersensitive as a society because if someone's even even thinking that you're you're sexualizing some someone that's not that doesn't even know what the hell you know six years old six year olds they don't even know if they're boys or girls they're yeah. just they're just kids you know exactly. um, and for me I wasn't doing that I was objectifying yeah and I am not a sexualizer I'm an I'm I'm an objectifier which I do so unapologetically if I see a hot girl. 
I'm going to call her out. It doesn't mean I want her. It's nothing to do with sex. I see I, I'm sitting across from a hot dude. I think you're hot, dude. But I don't. That, that, that's not sexualizing because yeah. I'm a straight boy. Okay. Right. Yeah. I'm just not blind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. You guys kind of got same bit of hair. Same, um, was your hair white when you were younger? Oh, yeah. Were you, yeah. Were you a toe head? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It was yeah, bright, like bright bleach blonde white. Did you know what a toehead was growing up? No, I did didn't. you? No, I never now did you that. find that term yeah, later? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I heard it. But. Kerry Waltz called my kid a toehead, really? and I was like, "I said, Casey, come here for a second. <laughs> I said, what, "What's what's up, what's the problem?" Yeah. <laughs> you no, no, toe, dude, toehead. No, it just means. And I'm like, oh, I'm like Kelly. You ever heard of that? And Kelly's like, No, <laughs> you know. And I'm so we we. We found it on the internet. Yeah, an urban dictionary. <laughs> all right, enough about all this volleyball. Yeah, one of the things I, w- I wanted to make sure I talked about was you guys you, you, over the last. Let's just use the last two years as a sample size. Mm-hmm. So many partner changes. So many partner changes. Some of them are, are cool, and some of them leave you scratching your head. Um, yeah. Me, as a personal uh, fan of the sport, not of players, because I'm not a fan of players. I'm just I'm, I'm a purist. Mm-hmm. But my two two of my three favorite players uh, are playing together. I'm Trevor and Theo. Yeah. So I'm like, you guys did that for me, didn't you? Yeah. You did that for me. So here we are, two years later, right? Yeah. Um. One of the first times I saw the two of you together was I was coaching Jeff Samuels, Manhattan Beach, 2021, mm-hmm. uh, a game that you could have won, a game that you probably should have won in retrospect. We're both looking back and just yeah. being honest. Yeah. Um, and that was Manhattan Beach, 2021. Here we are, 2023. Yeah. Trevor's playing with this guy. Tries playing with that guy. Taylor's playing with Taylor. This guy's Phil's. Phil's a hitman for hire. John Sutton's the luckiest guy in the world, right? And... and and at the end of the day, who do you have? You have Kristen Nuss and Taryn Cloth. And Schrangle and Berkey. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Talk to me about the process of understanding the roller coaster ride of of men's beach volleyball. And sometimes you have a bad tournament and it makes you question the partnership. Like, yeah. should we keep going? Or what's or do do you get to this point where we have a decision to make? Walk me through Walk me through the beginning of it. Yeah. Walk me through. Sorry, guys. It took so long just to get to this, the volleyball stuff. Yeah. Right? So walk me through, um, like, the beginning of the relationship. How you, how'd you guys get together? Um, yeah, that's a great question, dude. It's been, like, it's been three years now at this point, I think. Um, we were coming out of the lockdowns and of COVID. Right. Um, I was lucky enough. My parents, they have a, uh, a house in La Quinta in the desert. Let me give me like, some uh, volume. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I, I was just lucky enough to spend like the whole quarantine and everything in the desert and we had like a private volleyball court out there just at the park down the road, um, got kind of hooked up with like a weightlifting situation. So as far as volleyball, um, other than like game competition, I didn't really lose anything. I was doing drills and hitting a ton of serves and everything every day. You might've even gained. Yeah, probably. I probably got, probably got cleaner, probably got a little bit better. Um, came out of, came out of quarantine, came back to LA people were starting to play again and I just tried to grab somebody as soon as I could and start training because last yeah before COVID the last tournament I had played in was AVP Hawaii and that's when uh uh Steve Irwin and I qualified yeah and that was fun yeah but then he decides to retire right after that and go start making apps and stuff so as soon as COVID ended uh 
tried to grab a guy as soon as I could. Everybody was talking about Devin Berkey's going to give it a try. Devin Berkey's going to give it a try. Um, I was really good friends with Andy at the time, and Andy kind of like vouched for him because they played club uh, indoor against each other and played a bunch of high school against each other and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's, this guy's physical. He's legit. Right. Um, so we just started rolling with it. I asked him to play. He, he wanted to. Um, started practicing a bunch. Funny enough, our first tournament ever was at Third Coast, the place we just went back. We just came back from. He has Devin has some family that lives out there too, so we get to we get to stay with them. Um, okay. Went out to that tournament, did did really well in Third Coast our first time, and had a great time traveling together. Had a great time hanging out. Had a great time playing on the court and everything. And pretty much from then, we just didn't really look back. There was never really a question like who's gonna play with who. It was always just we're playing together. Kept grinding, ended up qualifying for Chicago 2021. Gnarly. Right? Yes. Yeah, through phase one. Um, cause I, and then to end the season on such a high note, such a helpful thing, too, right? And then it's just like, all right, let's just it keep rolling. It wasn't just, just a rolling. high note, dude. That yeah. was uh, educating our fans back home. And let me interrupt you for a second. In 2021, the qualifiers were two day qualifiers. Yeah. So. You, there were, there, you know, I mean, just talking about levels, because I'm a Bill Parcells guy. You are what your record says you are. So you had like lower level open players trying to survive that first day. And usually whoever survived that first day got consumed or eaten up by, by some of the guys who could be in the jar, should be in the jar, or well, not. Yeah, well, not usually. And, and every, every time but one. They, yes. We were the. So you were like the only team. To win that, a match on day two yeah. after coming from day one. And not, not only to just like qualify. In the you survived game. both days. Yeah. It that was, was, it was gnarly. Well, so, to be honest, though, something that we were talking about, we were looking at the uh, the Miami qualifier bracket, and we were talking about yeah. it, how a bunch of the top seeds got knocked down. Yeah. And especially thinking about that venue where it's really hard-packed sand, really windy. Um, it seemed to be like head-on wind, too, like coming from one side to the other, not side to side. Uh, it, it almost puts you at an advantage to have a pigtail match before you play a top seed. And the top seed's going in only – practiced and doing drills maybe even you know maybe they played a little bit the day before but yeah so oh like talking about uh brad connors joey osmani yeah. they played uh i forgot who they played they had a pigtail and go to play travis and jm then one the one seed in the qualifier but that's ja travis and jm's first time touching a ball that day and brad and joey just had just fought and won a match you know and figured yeah. out what's working for them in that win figured out uh, figured out the wind, figured out yeah. the sand, figured out the environment, the sun. Yeah, just and just, just and and too just what they're doing well that day. That's like you know five I mean? extra points. That's exactly. like five free points. And then you yeah, know? they ended yeah. up going out and beating them. But I I think there was an advantage to uh, to that pigtail on that day, and maybe mm -hmm. there was an advantage to us having that day one in Chicago too, because it, it was kind of a similar similar situation, like really windy, really weird wind too, mm -hmm. hard packed sand and. It, um, it only surprised me that they that Travis and them lost the first round. It didn't surprise me that they didn't qualify. Yeah. Um, I wanted you to finish your sentence before I start be, being a cold fish about oh, people. Oh, no, you're, you're good. <laughs> um, I can go, you know, sometimes I watch you go on 16th Street because mm -hmm. uh, Fish is my boy, me and Fish, yeah. go Mark Fishman. Um, 
a former or current U, a former USA coach, but spent a lot of time on the East Coast. Just New Yorkers. Well, yeah, but, but not just that. One of the more beautiful minds, you know. And the best coaches are New Yorkers anyway. We just are, right? Evan Silberstrom, me, whatever, all. Long, that's a Long Island guy. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. We got two educations, man. We're surviving in the street, and then we go, and then once we go to college, end yeah. up being like these great people. Um, right? Marv, Marv Albert, uh, Larry Larry Brown, you know, Chuck Daly, you know, all uh, uh, Pat Riley's connected in New York. But um, I vis- I watch you guys play on 16th Street. I watch the USA team play on the Strand. I, I, you know, sometimes I'm riding my bike and I'm watching people and I'll just sit and watch. And I can see by the way they're training. And you and I, the day before, can go to the qualifier bracket and look at, look at this monitor. And I can give you the four teams that are going to qualify and the, and, the, and the top seeds that are not going to make it. And I am right. Seven out of ten times, great, a pretty good number. Yeah. Uh, um, I knew you were going to be a problem because when I was watching you and Devin train, you weren't cutting corners. Yeah. You weren't cutting corners in your training. I'll give you guys an example for everybody listening. Like, who does this guy think he is? I'm a coach. Shut up. But um, Devin, like, if Devin pulls, let's say Devin pulls and gets a dig, right, and the dig goes kind of behind him. Yeah. You're not running to the ball and setting this way. You're not running to the ball and taking your forearms and pumping it this way. You're running to the ball. If it has enough height, you're literally making a second move and squaring both shoulders to the pole Yeah, getting to, to, to eliminate what we call uh, the margin of error, right? Yeah. Could you just run this way and fling the ball this way uh, to, to the pin where he wants it? Yes, you can because you have mad skills, right? And I think a lot of people at a certain level can. But what you did making the second move, squaring your shoulders to the pole, you created a diminishing of the margin for error because now the margin for error is in and out. Yeah. And Devin is on, is on the strand side, so out and in is an acceptable uh, um, uh, um, out-of-system set. Yeah. possibility when i'm looking and, at where i'm setting and yeah. i'm showing him where i'm setting as well he's not mm-hmm. asking for the ball somewhere but ex- kind of expecting yeah. it in a 10 foot range when i'm squaring my shoulders or and you can, and i see you something like that to him as well i'm yeah. sorry to know but i no, see something like that I'm, I'm so bad at that i but i see something like that and i saw you doing that and then this is um again i was coaching kyle kyle ratty and jeff samuels that's how you guys played yeah. um that was a day two thing for you too right mm-hmm. jesus christ Christ, dude. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Kyle's coming and I'm coaching with Jeff and I'm like, you, you, this team is not cutting corners. We have to be ready. Yeah. You know, and and I told him we have to be ready the second set because I just think there's a, there was a bunch of things we could do first set and you didn't see, you guys didn't see Kyle Ratty. He literally took off the hard hat, yeah. <laughs> right? Came off the construction site and this and that. And, and I knew we would just do regular things game one, but I was like, no, they got a they got real coaching and then and I and I'm what and I don't want to sound like a hater, but some people are just practicing like bums out there. I'm gonna just say it, it is. Where's my camera? Bums, mm. bums. Don't practice like a bum. Um, and I was like, these guys are not cutting corners, and what that does in a real game. And I'm gonna give you the floor in a minute because uh, I want you to talk more about it because you're the guy on the court. Okay, I'm just chilling. Yeah. Uh, um, what that does, it creates a constant pressure in a real game where like even the plays you lose they had to earn that buck yeah. you're they feel like metaphorically you're constantly in their face you know what i'm saying and they're pushing you away they're trying to create space and then you're back in their face again then you're back in their face again and and anyone that plays with that kind of style 
that's a lot of pressure to play under, even even for the teams who are perceived to be better and, and, and heavy favorites to beat you. Totally. We were heavy favorites to beat you. Yeah. We should have lost that match. Yeah. We should have. I agree. Lost. That was 15-15. Maybe I'll even pull it up on the video while I give you the floor or whatever. But, but um, I want you to talk to me and talk to our audience because yeah. we deserve, they deserve to listen to you too, right? Yeah. Uh, um, about not cutting corners in practice, staying disciplined, understanding what works that creates this constant pressure that I conjured up in my own head. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I like the way you put it. The way I, I like to think about it is kind of just like trying to master a system before you start um, relying on like athleticism or kind of like game flow, something like that. And just every time you pass the ball, it's going to, it's going to this one spot no matter what. So then the setter kind of knows where it's going to be. And every time they're setting the ball, it's going to this one spot. So the hitter kind of knows where it's going to be. Um, and that's one thing we, we put a big kind of emphasis on in like the long time we've been playing together is uh, kind of mastering a system before we start to, you know, be doing shoot sets, jump sets, anything crazy like that. Um, to really just kind I of just thought you were absolutely... The, Sorry, like uh no you're good to master like the the three touch you know pass that hit get it really clean really um really reliable and then from there uh kind of start to branch out a little bit but but kind of like you're saying that that constant pressure like if you if you get a if you get a bad set hit the ball at berkey pollen and that ball is, he's digging that ball to like a very similar spot every time it's so routine it's so routine that it's it's almost like it's hard, it's hard to kind of face over and over and over again, you know? Um, and then from there, like, obviously you can get to the higher level and start throwing in, like, options, jump sets, shoot sets, shoot back sets, stuff like that. But that, like, like you were talking about, kind of trying to master that system was, like, the first thing we really tried to, uh, yeah. uh, like, put a big emphasis on. And I think we're kind of, like, we, we took big steps this offseason and we're playing um, – I told you, Devin was having a really tough time with his body in Texas, and we got we got beat by two good teams. But okay. I think it it wasn't really a good representation of the progress that we've that we've made this last off season, and like the um, where what we're hoping to do and where we're hoping to be at this season. I think uh, I, I think this one's probably been our biggest jump. Yeah, this I, last off season. I totally agree. Let me um, sorry, let me see if I can go to the video. My video is doing a little hourglass thing now. It's fourteen fourteen. Okay. Let's watch it. Let's watch some of this together. Yeah. Um, all right. Oh, well, let's go back. Let's go to camera one. Let's watch that over here. So this is fourteen fourteen. Um, Kyle um switched to um right side because Devin Berkey kind of had his number on the left. What a great swing. Good dig too, but. I think Draw we hit the, the net. Yeah, that's Jeff in the net. I think shot counts and the foul. Yep. So what happened was, I'll give you a little volume. But um, what happened was we won the first game in rather easy fashion, and you guys made a really, really just good uh, right hand turned in adjustment and left hand press on um, Kyle Ratty mm -hmm. on the left side. So they made this decision to just switch Kyle right side to hit right side and i'm like guys just switch right and then run the back set right you just yeah i mean the back the, the left side is not the problem here it is that was tough oh, so that was <laughs> that's one right it's 15 up yeah. right and that, and that's when i was like you got the dig let's go back to the dig because the the four block switch was great i don't know if you were just you were just late on the two or if that's yeah, just how you played it too little, i was probably going no that was a four that was a four, yeah, was a four. Look at that. On it. And look at, and 
oh man <laughs> and when we switched sides i said i said you um i don't want to curse you effed up yeah. <laughs> something like that yeah. oh, not completely. <laughs> i did I, I looked at you when you came and i said you effed up yeah. you know because i thought if there if there was an opportunity to to, to do this well let, what the hell let's see how the last two plays went i think it was 17 15 or 18 16 yeah i don't remember so jeff head. goes here and you're creating your string out of the middle. Beautiful string creation. Nasty win. Yanked it back into your left shoulder. And Jeff just, I guess good things happen when you swing. Here's yep. the last one. Oh, wow. Just a nice uh, Chewbacca by... um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chewy, it's okay. So, um... <clears throat> but, sorry. But, um... I guess what I'm trying to say, and this is just a podcast, and maybe I'm trying to say something. I really, really liked that you guys worked on a system, because that's what you're explaining to yeah. the audience, that created this constant pressure. Totally. You know, like, and, and it's crazy because Chicago was right after that. Yeah, right after. And then you qualified both, uh, uh, both days. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> when I saw it. All I could do was, uh, where's my phone? Do I have John's number? Yeah. Do I do I have Devin's number? And well, I, I, I bet a bunch of people were seeing that and trying to like reload yeah. the page and be like, wait, they get it wrong. Like, I think I know. said, I know your phone's blowing up or something yeah. like that, but uh, let me just be one of them, <laughs> one of the many people to say, great job and congratulations. Yeah. And yeah, I wrote that down. Commitment to each other means something. Usually the first sign of trouble, people are quick to bail, but really you, you two just needed to beat some good teams. Yeah. Well, exhale yeah. and then move on with life. One thing that's really kind of reassuring for us is that there's a lot, most of the stuff that we actually struggle with and we actually need to improve on, at least for now. I mean, it'll, it'll change later, but is a lot of like non-volleyball stuff, you know, the traveling, being able to, we're much, we're much worse uh, at being at our best no matter where we are in the country um we're not much worse but I, I think we struggle with that a lot more than other teams and i think there's a lot of matches that we lose that if we were to play um play them at 9 a.m in hermosa beach you know you'd be fine we'd it's be, home field advantage we'd, we'd be fine and we'd be um we'd we'd probably win and do do pretty well but then we go and play it out at like 8 a.m in muskegon michigan you know, and it's cold, it's windy, the sun's not even fully up yet, and we get slapped around, you know. So I think there's a lot of off-the-court travel stuff. Um, also, too, like picking and choosing the tournaments. We were struggling to get into Miami, uh, the Miami qualifier, and it was really the first time we had, like, broken down how, much, how many points we have because that's the first time we'd ever uh, been on the cusp of a qualifier. So we weren't even really thinking about it beforehand. We just went and we played all the tour and pro series that we could last year, thinking that, that's just how we'd get the most points. We want AVP points. We'll play the AVP tournaments, right? There it is, yeah. And then, uh, but then we realized, we're like, oh, wait, some of these tournaments and some of these play places we went with, we actually did like pretty well. Somebody got more points than us the same weekend just winning the CBVA in Long Beach, you know? Or Wow. Yeah, huh. so that that was, we, we've kind of evolved and started to, admit, like, uh, start talking about, like, strategically picking our tournaments, which ones to go to and which ones... Um, it gets rid of the too. staleness too, doesn't it? A little bit. It does, yeah. Well, and it, yeah. It, it it helps us stay like engaged as well. And um, 
another another problem we had, and I think we kind of are addressing and fixing this year is training for things as opposed to just going to the beach to train every morning, you know, setting a tournament, planning it early, getting the hotels, the flights, everything Mm -hmm. as early as possible. And then creating a little, like almost like a camp to train for it, you know, right. Figuring out what we're going to do on each day and what, how to be like a hundred percent ready by that day that we fly out. Yeah. That's well, that's the Brooklyn way. (laughs) That is, that is, you're a West coast guy, but that's the Brooklyn way dude. that I, um, yeah, we, um, and I picked a lot of this up from John Mayer when I was at LMU. You mm-hmm. always, um, every drill we went in, we had a partic- <clears throat> we went into every drill with a particular focus, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, for just for uh, um, a a different level example. You're a very high level player, but just like a mid level example, um, you're going into like a passing drill. Let's call it down ball, free ball. You know, just mm-hmm. hard driven or whatever, and this and that. You, and I, as a coach, will assign, not assign, but tell my players, depending on the age group. Um, pick one of these three focuses. Hold, hold your platform. Which, by the way, you you've improved significantly. You stop you stop jabbing and, yeah. and stop jayhawking stuff. Uh, um, hold, little dorky thing you do at the end. You know, yep. hard wall, padded wall. Um, straight and simple. Something John. Um, the first time I I heard that term was from him was um, straight platform, simple pass. And it's cool because it's like a two and one, straight and simple. Yeah. So now I use that term everywhere. Um, one move to the ball, right? You know, um, very rarely, because this isn't indoor, right? You're not going to midline half the balls. You know, midline yeah, midlining exactly. requires a second move, right? Yeah. So, um, so like, if, if I'm coaching you and Devin, go into that drill, pick one of those three focuses, right? Yeah. And I, as a coach, any decent coach would see the focus. Yeah. They would see it. You, you know what I'm saying? They would see your straight and simple. They would see the one move. They would see, for sure, see the hole, the easiest thing to spot. Yeah. Um, so so I'm like with other coaches. Um, I'm like, what do you think his focus was? They're like, he's like, hold. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, hold. And I just think you'll be surprised. Everyone would be surprised at every level. Just going into these drills. Um, professionals, I like them to arbitrarily pick their own because there's something, some things that they want to work on yeah. where they think they need work. Kids, kids, I give it to them. Yeah. You know, and then at the end of the draw, I'm like, what's your focus? If they go, um, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to slap the crap yeah. out. I'm going to slap the taste out your we mouth, just did girl. Nothing, right? <laughs> don't, you, don't you um me. What was your yeah. focus? So, uh, um, just a, as a caveat, like that, that's an example of some things I would do uh, at certain levels, you know. Yeah. And uh, also as a caveat that they, they continue to do at the high level. Like, yeah, you ever right. train with Ali San? You know what I'm saying? Uh, I have. He's I, all I saw he was that. here uh, yeah. a while ago. Remember, we didn't get out with them. Yeah, McLean trained with him a little bit. He, okay. he said, that was just great. And he's like, that, man, yeah. that's, that's the big guy partner. Yeah, Everybody totally. wants their Seriously. whole life, you know? A bump setter too, right? Don't even use his hands. Yep. Right? Think about that. Yeah. So. No, I think I think you're 100% right. We, um, it's it's similar. We, um, we have like our, you know, volleyball journal and every practice before you, right? three things you want to work on and then afterwards yeah. the three things you did well the three things you need to work on for next time that's the and john mayer way dude wow it's, just, it's really simple you know I, yeah. I think everybody should do it you johns really are helps. awesome you johns got it. john those guys these john guys got yeah. it figured out Seriously. man I, I, honestly yeah i i did that for two years i by email and except with john it was five things mm-hmm. every practice every game email i'd be emailing five things which I like five things I'd, I'd like to see improvement on, okay. and which was great because when I met John, I was still more a pure indoor guy, yeah. but John was also a pure indoor guy, right? NCAA yeah, title at with Pepperdine, and and we both kind of know the best players, beach players, happen to be 
the guys who took who are really good at taking care of first hit indoor. Yeah. <laughs> right? Setters. Makes it a lot setters, more, yeah. OHs. You were an OH for indoor, right? Uh OH and Libero, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, just it, it's so easily to translate, you know, like uh, hundred well, look at Taylor dude, look at Taylor Sander. When he gets a good pass and he's like yeah. taking his look at the court and he just see even if it's Phil and he just sees one blocker in front of him, what do you yeah. think he's thinking? Like kill easy like, right wow, it's, it ain't even my birthday yeah, he's, he's literally used to two fills in front of him and yeah. obviously it's a bigger court obviously but he's used to two fills in front of him putting up their hands or then he even if he only has one then that's like i like, like watching net i love watching him play uh for this one reason uh, there's some things about him that I, I could go another way with i don't like the dude's attitude but when he gets on the court his eyes get so big like he if there's no place in the world he'd rather be and he yeah. just sees a bunch of volleyballs and it's crazy because you imagine that's how he felt like 10 13 years ago when he was a pup I was literally you know, about to say the going same to, thing. Going yeah. into Anaheim, going into a club and just like being wowed yeah. by something you've already seen a million times. And he still has that face. Well, you, it, know? you know what a, a big thing about it I think is, is that I think a lot of people, by the time they reach the main draw, they've been like, I don't know how to say it, like almost like beat down by the years in the qualifier, you know? Yeah. And then they've kind of just got a little bit more of like a serious, like business-like demeanor. They've been in the qualifiers where like, mm-hmm. dude, like, you know the qualifiers like they're gnarly couple mistakes and you're on a flight home you know yes what I mean? and good teams yeah a couple and a lot of the last rounds of qualifiers like they should be main draw matches anyways yes. but why do you think i'm there for the qualifiers you I, don't you I don't even see me on the last day yeah, i think the qualifiers how the many, most entertaining day all of my friends out there how many times you've ever seen me on the last day probably never you yeah. saw me last year and that's because the guys from rockstar uh, um and Hanneman or whatever they're like Jake you know come through and I okay. thought that was really cool because yeah. the guy from Rockstar is like you guys know each other right and they're like yeah we know him and I was like thanks for that <laughs> you know I appreciate that yeah. you know but qualifiers I'm there I'm there both days because the most exciting matches the whole concept of win or go home uh, and everybody's talking about oh that guy didn't qualify he's not a good volleyball player I'm like screw you dude you have to understand something about the qualifiers the qualifiers represent the best players of each region you're talking Pottstown Rumble winners you're talking yeah. Wapaka winners right you're talking um, we can go on CBVA uh, uh, fi- semi-finals and finals dude, winners these, Sarah, Sarah these guys Pavin didn't qualify her first time trying yeah, for an AVP but, you know, but, like, but you know what I'm saying they represent she, the, she best the best of player each, in the world <laughs> the, but they represent the best of each of their regions 100%, yeah well, you know well, um, like, so uh, like, like Steven and Peter they yes. they qualify they beat Levin Levin DJ in the last round but they are amazingly good volleyball Ridiculous. players and they just went from Texas to Kansas City you know that's just because that's where I think probably just where the money's taking them were their you at Motherload last year no I was not Steve played the entire tournament with his left Seaside you're talking about no, mother. I was. I maybe, was, maybe I was, was emceeing at Motherload. Okay, in Colorado. maybe it was both then. But he was. Yeah. But he played the. He played with John Mesco, um, and they made the semis. And Steve was hitting with his left, and then they, hitting with his left, and they stopped serving him. Yeah, <laughs> he is what you would call a super athlete. Like you put him in any in a football field, put him on a basketball court, put him at the the baseball pitching line, uh, put put some skates on him. Um, yeah, he's a super athlete, and and there's also something to be said about two people who know each other. That has just like the way you and um, Devin know each other. Yeah, that is a leg up on any new team. 100%. It's just an oh my god. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Um, well, I was gonna say two things. One. You're you're right about Peter. I'm re- or Stephen. I'm really I'm really close with Stephen. Anywhere we go with him, he's doing something crazy. So like we'll he just is. be going down to like hang by the creek or something like that, and then he'll pick up a rock and throw it. Skips like twelve times, you know. Um, 
we'll just be in the garage like doing a little stretching and maintenance he'll pick up like a full keg Mm -hmm. and that's like tough to lift with because you got to hold it by the the rim on each side and he'll start like repping out uh like the bench press with it he's Steven, Steven's gnarly. <laughs> I like him. incredibly and gnarly. I think we'd both be surprised how well we actually get along. Because when I first met him, you know, he sees me. I'm the guy with the Yankee hat who thinks he knows everybody, right? I'm, and I'm looking at him. I see this narcissist that every time a, a, a car window reflection shows him, he stops, you mm. know? So I'm just like, there's no reason for either one of us to even like each other. But I like I like that dude. The, I like the way his mind works. Yeah. I, I like his his social and political philosophies. He's a very he 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 is a very uh, good critical thinker. He yeah. use he he really puts you know anything he posts. Uh, like if there's any question or debate or whatever subject matter it is, he really puts his th- critical thinking skills yeah, to use. And he's got a great a great um, satire mind. Yeah, he's got a really fun satire very mind. Funny. So big up Steve. Big big up Steve. And I was really happy to see you. You know. I was happy to see him at Mother Load, yeah. and I was happy to see him and Peter do their thing. And I know they're doing some stuff in Kansas City, right? That little club uh, out there. Yeah, they either started or took over um, mm-hmm. some club. I think Stevens, the director, Peter's yeah. like the head coach now, and they're just. Um, I think I think it's all beach, so it's only mm-hmm. like half the year out there because it snows, of course. But um, yeah, they got they got they moved from San Antonio. They got their thing figured out there for for now. I think. All right, cool. Hey, let's do a lightning round. We're going to talk about hands. Cool. Let's put up my 60 seconds. Lightning rounds with John Schwangle, people. Happy about that. Let's do my clock. Let's do the pause. And let's see if it pops. Oh, there it is. Oh, pops up. There it is. Yo. All right, John. So there's been, uh, um, actually, as far back as last year, Doc Vandermeer and Jeff Samuels on a podcast talking about um the subject of hands hands being more relaxed and one of my arguments was um they weren't more relaxed they just stopped people from catching and throwing it you yeah. know what i'm saying and so i i always had this argument like a double to double doc vandermeer who's a, a, a terrific player we all know that and highly respected and his yeah. father's a ref right yep. papa vandermeer uh samuel brother is a ref you know too. samuel's the, the the ambassador the international man of mystery probably yeah. makes more money away from the tour than he does on the tour mm-hmm. uh, um so 60 seconds, I want you to articulate your thoughts that if, the, the first question is, um, have you noticed there's been a little bit more relaxed non-calls, referee swallowing their, their whistles on something you can you consider uh, questionable hands, and um, and how you feel about the, the landscape of where hands are going, and boom. Yeah, good question. Um, I think more... <sighs> It's so it's so tough to say because every ref is different too, you know. And like it, the hand calls it more than anything. It depends on just who's up who's up on the stand. Um, there, because then on top of that too, there are some refs who have changed and some refs who haven't, and some refs who I'm sure they like send their they give their uh, like their uh, protocol uh, whatever. Like yeah. they, they send it out at the beginning of the year. Like this is what we're calling. This is the changes that we've made and stuff. And some people listen to it and some people don't. I have noticed that it's gotten a little bit looser on the doubles and a little bit tighter on the lifts, so less catch and throw and more kind of um, l- less sticky hands. They'll, they'll call like the deep dish stuff, but um, not n- not too much though. I don't think it's changed really that much since I started playing qualifiers in 2018. I think I don't think it's really changed that much um, since then. Maybe the occasional time when you have like somebody on the on the stand. Shit, that was our horn. 
That was quick. All right. So actually, I think I'll go on this one too. Yeah. Um, I talked to referee Dave Carson, who um, mm-hmm. I've had on the podcast, and also Jeff Samuels and Dave and, and I actually called him in the middle of the podcast, oh, and really? he took the live call. He was actually in the middle of trying <clears throat> to organize Manhattan Beach and took the call. Stood tall for 20 minutes, answered answered questions from me, Jeff, and Doc Vandermeer, three infinitely different personalities. Yeah. And he said this, and I'll go to the camera, check with your league. Check with your league, right? If you're in Connecticut and they just judge uh, the set by by whole rotation, that's their league, their rules, right? Yeah. CBVA, to their credit, I think, um, implemented it in their rules about redirect or something like that, yeah. and that, where they it's their league, their rules. And, and and to their credit, they were adamant about just keeping old school, old school, right? Pottstown Rumble, right? You get, you're not allowed to. Uh, um, it's it's a big court, right? It's side out to fifteen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, hey, their league, their rules. So yeah. I, I I don't want to talk about the fairness of it as much as I just want to talk to what you, uh, uh, the officials and referees, like you said, being explicit of knowing what you can and can't do going into it. Yeah. If you know that, the sooner the know. In fact, sooner is better. Yeah. If you know that before the match, cool. If you know that a day before the match, cooler. You know that before you even travel there, oh my God, cool. Now, yeah. and then now I get it. But I think I agree and I echo your sentiments. With the higher you level you play, the more it's a non-issue because everybody's just found a way to just set one way that yeah. universally is accepted as the right way. Well, that and like, there, there's always like a little bit of debate on like, there's some, there's always borderline sets. Like, was that a lift? Was that a double? Two people disagree. You'll ne- you'll never really find two people disagreeing on like right. that was a good set. Right. You know that's what a set should look like. Whether it's no. like a little bit deeper, a little bit faster, a little bit more spin. Like everybody knows a good set when they see it. Yep. And in general, I think most people know a bad set when they see it too. And well, the the no spin guys are the ones that upset <clears throat> me the most because we have seen really really good setters not just at the, at the high level every level we've seen setters literally take the ball on their left out of their right but because they know they've been doing it so long it doesn't spin yeah so i've seen double hits that are clean yeah <laughs> you, you you know and i'm like so by your rules that's not a double but he literally you know the guy's hands are like soup bowls so it's not you you didn't miss him doing this this yeah and then that well, you know you know the ref todd right Todd skinny yeah. guy so todd i i like todd's philosophy the best is where because it's all it's only it, it's kind of like the only logical way to do it is you you can't watch the ball you need to watch the hands and look for a double contact and Amen. that's kind of that's how it is indoor and i think like beach you could either be like stricter or maybe watch the ball a little bit but that's that's what you should be looking for is a double contact with the hands you know and Right. Um, Because, I I mean, that's what they're claiming happens if they're calling spin anyways. Right? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I so agree. Well, indoor, we have a general rule. Doubles are not how they come out. That's how they they come in, Mm -hmm. which is also my argument about the spin rule. Who cares about spin and no spin if you're, you know, if the referee is supposed to be watching how it's coming in. Yeah. So how it comes out, I guess, is more of a carry, right? Because they're looking for uh, discontinuation or can, or some some level of fluidity. Yeah. Um, I do love the juniors tournaments, the no hands tournaments, because we're just trying to teach kids to use their hands more. And how how are we supposed to encourage kids to use their hands if the referee's going to so blow the whistle? I haven't heard. Of, I haven't every, heard of that. No hands calls. Yeah. That's good. Be, I, like be, that. um, I used to work for Duran Forbes. Yeah. Um, don't work for anymore. We still got a great relationship, nice. uh, but. Um, she had uh, tournaments where there were no hands. Uh, um, they were literally yeah, no that. hands. Tor- they were called the no hand, the no hands tournament. Yeah, and I it love was that. and for juniors, right? Yeah, 
I love that. That's perfect. That's how it should be. Yeah. Well, because I mean, there's so many like there's so many girls that I coach that are just afraid to handset, you mm-hmm. know, just because they don't want to get called. And, and on top of that, too, they just don't want to create a problem on the mm-hmm. court. And so mind when, you, yeah. we're we're at a time period now where there's more of them. Yeah. Right. I'm 52. Go back to dude. Take a trip back to my memory lane. You you only saw one, maybe one girl. Yeah. At the highest level, you only saw maybe Larissa, mm-hmm. and everyone else's bump said. Yeah. And now. It's everybody. No, that's, and, that's how I think yeah. that's how all tournaments should be. So, and we were we were kind of talking about this earlier. How when you were talking about the setter on your team, how she yeah. has that just like awesome release. But I like too teaching the. This may just be my thing, but I do like teaching the indoor girls when I'm teaching them how to set. Like the young girls who are just learning how to play volleyball is to catch it and throw it. You know, because it's a teaching that, tool. Well, and that's how you develop. Like I catch this ball and I get it there. You know, you're not just slapping it in a random direction. Right. You're just slapping it in the general direction of the outside hitter. You know, mm-hmm. you're catching it and you're throwing it. And then from there, you get a little bit faster, a little bit faster, a little bit faster. And then it's fast, you know. But you're you're, you're learning control and ball control and how to get the ball where you want it first. And then comes, like, the, the minutia of, like, getting it faster and not doubling and not lifting. And, and you have... John and John, you have a great sample size that supports your argument. Look at all of the yeah. people. Look at all the people that learn that way. Who, who, when they reach adulthood and via the collegiate scene or, or professional scene, are, are are just fantastic setters. Yeah, one of my favorite setters of all time, Jeff Stork, learned that way. Good. Lefty, you know, yeah. I actually mirrored my game after him. I was overseas playing outside hitter, and someone told me you should set. And for two years, mm-hmm. for two years, I, I would just watch videos of him. So, really? yeah, you can imagine That's when awesome. I moved here and saw him. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> that was, that was sick. Oh my god! If, to him, retrospectively, because this already happened to him when I was, I screamed, "Jeff Stork!" He just goes, "Oh, like, oh god!" Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like an idiot because as New Yorkers, we're haters. We don't. You know, you can see Madonna walking her dog and you're just like, hey, what's good? You yeah. know, Jay-Z, Jay-Z, what's up? You know, maybe you say what's up. Maybe you don't say anything, but you don't, yeah. but you don't scream them and light them up or try to take pictures and <laughs> all that stuff. And I, and I went, dude, I went straight fanboy with Jeff Stork because it was someone I only <laughs> saw funny. in the videos. Yeah, totally. So. And a Pepperdine guy. So, you know, he's cool. Pepperdine yeah. guys are cool, right? Jeff Stork. Best friend goes to Pepperdine, yeah. Yep. The cool kid's cool. Yeah. The, besides Northridge, that's the Pepperdine. Think of everybody that came out of Pepperdine. It's cool. Uh, Sean Rooney, right? Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Sean Rooney? Um, indoor guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. John Mayer. Yep. Nice guy. Uh, Marv Dunphy. Yeah. Rob Stavertley. I'm going way back. Jeff Stork. Just, psh, what? All, all nice guys, you yeah. know? Um, so, lightning round question number two. I know we got a hard stop because I know somewhere, we, at some point, we got to go and coach club and teach kids how to be yeah. great. <laughs> teach tiny people how to be great. Totally. Um, so, question number two, we're going to talk about venues, all right? Awesome. This, and this, this question I dropped on Samuels and Doc Vandermeer as well, so I'm, okay. I'm doing a little bit, a bit of rinse and repeat. <clears throat> Maybe it'd be great for a compilation video someday. So, there are some venues that the AVP decided to come back to. New Orleans was, was quite the hit. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there, there were mixed reviews, but at the end of the day, I would say win. Yeah. Um, coming back to Florida was great. Dave Palm must have been really, really happy because he's been, he's been one of the biggest... Um, advocates for them to come back there denver you know uh scott davenport is that scott no scott davenport right i think no scott is the coach tom davenport oh yeah yeah, tom davenport who's who runs sob south Florida border vacations you should be one of their volleyball guests you you, it's time (laughs) um you know we're trying to get them to come to denver so my question is with one minute i'd like you to pick maybe three venues 
that you would like to see the AVP return to. So let's get the clock going and go. Number one, yelling? Yeah. yeah. Number one has to be Hawaii. So, I mean, I'm a little biased because I ended up getting in there uh, for my first time. But, dude, Hawaii was so fun, so great. New York, that was my, that was another one of my favorites, too. But back, uh, not the place they did it the, the last time, back on the piers. Yes. You remember? Like, uh, there was the qualifier site, and there's that, like, uh, that, yeah. like, restaurant right there. And you can watch from the roof. Yes. Um, that, oh, um, dude, that yeah. was my favorite place. That was one of my favorite places. In Brooklyn, Pier 6. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there. And then, whew, last one, let me think. That they don't they don't have now, and they, they right. should bring back, is the mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle. Seattle is great, man. Love what a, Seattle. Nice. You say 15 seconds for the for the yeah. fans to mull over there. Tell me there's something <laughs> cool about Seattle. You got 10 seconds. Uh, just just how it's different. How it's like a great venue, but just it looks so different. You know, you're surrounded by the green and like the forest, and there's the lake and the mountains and stuff. Like, because that's that's really what makes it fun. Like, if you're not gonna be going for like different scenery and different stuff, you might as well have every tournament in Manhattan, right? It's true. So, but because I love. Uh, I love, you were like, in the draw. In... Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. You and Brewster were in the draw. No, no, no. me and Rowdy. Len. Oh, Rowdy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice, dude. I remember that was that was so funny. They gave us that because that that's when wild like now a wild card is like a normal thing, you know. And there's like six, there's like four or five wild wild cards in every tournament. We were like the first wild card that had been in the draw in like a long time, and dude, people were heated about it. And they were like mad they at need, us. They need to shut up. Because you know why? Because as human beings, we have something <clears throat> called, um, and you'll love this because I made up this term, mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep using it until people use it. It's called prom queen fallacy. Yeah. Prom queen fallacy. You got elected prom queen. Everybody else thought they should have, that this other person should have done it. So get it, instead of getting mad at the voters, yeah, they okay. get mad at you. Yeah, 100%. That's they exactly get mad at you. It's called, uh, I call it prom queen fallacy. Yeah. Uh-um. Well, I remember Rowdy and I, uh, we were having a conversation. We were in our hotel room because we got the hotel, obviously. And we went to the qualifier site on Thursday to like, like we, we flew into Seattle. We wanted to check it out, you know, yeah. and that's kind of what the, like the main draw guys do. They, they go check out the qualifier a little bit, see how the yeah. venues don't, see how the venue looks, maybe touch the ball a little bit, practice. Yeah. Taylor's and always there too. Dude, we showed up and people like were giving us the cold shoulder. People weren't talking to us. People were coming up and saying like, dude, guys, you People are mad at you and stuff. And are you supposed to say no? That's we were sitting in our hotel room that night, uh, like having a conversation. We're like, did they really expect us to say no to an AVP, like to a wild card into an AVP main draw tournament? But you, but you know why you could give them the finger because you can ask every single one of them that had a problem with that. Would you have what? taken it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you ask them for an honest answer. Yeah. And if they're honest, if they have an ounce of honesty in their bones. Yeah. One hundred percent of them would say yes. Well, you know, it's funny too. Is like uh, speaking on that hypocrisy a little bit. Um, the so we were the one the team that we bumped out was the McKibbins, and and they were the one. We, yeah. And we were and we were like, we knew them pretty well. So the McKibbins, my my uncle in Hawaii actually taught them driver's ed, and he like taught them how to drive at Pinho right. and stuff. So like we had, and they had been to my house before before I was even like playing AVPs and stuff. So like we knew them. Rowdy, they had coached his club team, um, his 18s club team, so he okay. was real tight with them. And Mad- Madison was a little bit more chill and cool, but dude, Riley wouldn't even look at us, wouldn't even talk to us the entire tournament. They were 
like Man, to pissed ha- about it. So but then, what? but then, yeah, to hell with him. So what? That later that year, that was the first AVP Hawaii that had been there in a while. And I don't know if you remember, but that was like an international exhibition one. Yes. And guess who got a wild card into AVP Hawaii and took it? You don't say. The the content creators, you know, yes. the brothers. They wanted them yeah. there to kind of document it and stuff. And they they scooted out. Uh, Ed Ratledge, uh, Ed Ratledge, he, he was the next on the line for points. He was planning on going to the tournament, right. and then it gets announced the draw, and the McKibbins are a wild card for the last seed instead of Yeah, Ed, Ed was Ratledge. in a tough spot because I think Rafu was um, coaching NCAA. Okay. So they they played the whole season together, and they had yeah. plenty of draw points. And they had great good great finish situations in Manhattan Was that the year Beach. they won? Or was that the year um, No, 2018 was the okay. last San Francisco one. And uh, the yeah. last champion was Rafu, and um, yeah. And the year before was Madison. Madison, um, and Ty. Madison hooked up with Ty. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, they ended they ended up taking the the wild card spot. Me and Rowdy we were texting about it. Like, and, and, <laughs> and I say respectfully to hell with them because they they were in a situation. Look where they were they were qualifying machines, yeah. and I do uh, admire and salute their work ethic. But you got to admit. As far as training situations and, and who to train with and when and that, as far as giving up, being given opportunities out of the ass to be in the main draw, mm-hmm. uh, uh, probably at that time because their brand was good, no more than those two, right? You, you had, both guys went to USC. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying, give me a break, give me yeah. a break with that, and 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 you know what, you ain't got to carry the water on this one because I don't want nobody coming at you. But <laughs> me, anyone got a problem with what I'm saying, come see me. Y'all know where, and then they know where I live because they used to live over there. Yeah, you know, but um. Yeah, Riley's like that. Riley's weird like that. Madison, everything you said, everybody that's met the both of them is like, yep, that's Madison. And then and then when you said, yep, that's Riley. So they don't have a problem with me saying that because they already know everyone's saying that about them because they've earned that in, in a good way and a bad way, yeah. you know. But let me tell you something. When I first met him in New York, I thought they lived in Brooklyn. Really. They had the beards yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, and, and they were hip. And I'm like, you guys live in Williamsburg, right? You guys yeah. just got on your bike and <laughs> rode over the Williamsburg Bridge and qualifier and just so polite. So um, you got to, um, and I'm not trying to repair this or whatever, what I said, but I'm, I'm just going to be honest both ways. Yeah. The, the grind uh, and them realizing that they had to embrace the grind to become what they are. Say I could say what I want about them, but I can't mess with them. I got none. In that respect, I ain't got nothing on well, them. Just but talking about how you support, treat people, yeah. talking about you be how you behave. If you think I'm not going to come on a on a podcast named the Option and not say what it is, man, you are sadly mistaken. Hmm. But so, but I don't want what I'm saying to to gloss over. Um, like if you're just a robot and just seeing the actual work put in it and understanding the, not the odds, because the odds were pretty good. They yeah. were always in a good situation to get in. Uh, but you got to do it, right? We were just talking about how you, tough it is, right? Yes. How, how, impos- how impossible the qualifying And they were like are, qualifying right? machines, machines, man. It's like those yeah. two cracked the code. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? So, well, no, right. very, they very don't need me to give them no shine or shine or sham on them. So I ain't talking about them no more. They got to, they got to know, dude, they are, in, they are in the catbird seat right now yeah. and they are doing good things for, to their credit, they're doing good things for volleyball. I mean, are they, are they doing good things for themselves? Of course. I mean, this is a career you got to do yeah. for yourself, but no one could say that they didn't at least attempt to give something back to the sport that they made it from. So boom, yeah, totally. and, I, and, I'll sh- and I'll shut the door on that one. Um, from my venues, uh, I'm not going to go 60 seconds because this is more about you than me. And I, and I talk a lot. Hmm. Um, I go New York, right? Of course. Uh, um, I go 
um, Michigan. They're not doing a Michigan, and Michigan was a really, 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 really cool place to be. And Denver, man, I like the intimate crowd of Denver. So, well, it was cool. How it was if, like a. It was just like weird. The courts were yeah. all on different levels, and there's mm-hmm. like the concrete everywhere and everything. I, I, yeah. I mostly like different. You know, I hope like, they never go back to Atlantic City because Atlantic City really, really ruined the <laughs> AVP's outlook on the East Coast in that region. Yeah, they don't want to go back to New York because they have bad flashbacks. Yeah, I bet. Of New Jersey. Were yeah. you Atlantic City last year? Not last year. The but two, do you know, the, do you know the story behind oh, that? Oh, oh, Just yeah, the, third, the third yeah. degree burns? Yeah. You have a tournament. Dude, everybody was crawling around yeah. everywhere on the sand. Like they could, everybody was cor- like crawling to their courts and crawling to the socks. shade. Yeah. They had sand socks too. Yeah. Jeff Samuels. I talked to him out of Seaside because he played in that and he wanted to play in Seaside. And I'm like, dude, you got points for the draw. And if you go to Seaside, um, you're one. You're not gonna win because you just your feet look like roast beef right now. Yeah, and you probably further injure yourself where you know where you don't get to play them in the in the Manhattan Beach Open. Yeah, something you you got money to show up. You got show money. Yeah, uh, so I made him. Uh, I literally made him stay at my house because he says my house anyway. But I said just stay here two weeks. Yeah, learn how to walk again. Like yeah, crawl, real. like you said, crawl to walk to yeah. eventually run and, and it worked out for him he felt really healthy and he felt good, good. And we did okay against case beer and, and um alan right we, i mean first game was 24 22 and again no one thought we we're gonna win anyway but yeah. but case beer and alan made it to day three so mm-hmm. that's how they were playing yeah. <laughs> that weekend they made it to day three they made it to sunday morning totally so new york um i would always say new orleans but they're going back there and so new york um denver and michigan Okay. Uh, three great venues. I would really love to see that. Wisconsin. I'd love to see them do something in Wisconsin. Dude, They're really Wapaka, big. Wapaka is fun. Yeah, I love. I love Wapaka. A lot, a lot of people don't like it. Dude, I think it's. I think it's yeah. fun. Like diving in and rolling around in the mud and yeah. stuff when you're playing. Like I think New York is fun. New York. New York. Uh, it's yeah. Hawaii and New York were tied for like my. But favorite. you know why I like New York because you can go there Saturday, right? And you can go into the crowd and ask people where they're from. Brazil. Russia, Interesting. Poland, Dominican Republic. I'm from Korea. It is this ridiculous conglomerate, like California. What you got a whole bunch of white people. Yeah. You got a whole bunch of guys with the, you know, with the orange tan. Uh, um, but New York, these are people that follow volleyball. I guess more in- indoor than out than outdoor. Yeah. But at 2019, that was a homecoming for me. So I had a whole bunch of people just come out to say hi to me or whatever. I was coaching Jeff. We lost nice. to the Partains, him okay. and Doc, and I was coaching Rafu. Um, who, who you know who? Um, yeah, in the draw. and that was Partains ended up losing to Frischman. Frischman right? and um, Marciniak, yeah. yeah, yeah. But they, we lost in three sets to them. They, okay. um, yeah, they were they were pretty good. But um, but it was just great because the international population just shows yeah what the AVP can be if they continue to go to places where there are people that live in other countries that mm-hmm. that are like AVP, right? Yeah. Google search AVP right now, you'll find Alien versus Predator. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. You did it before, right? Yeah. Alien versus Predator. I'm yeah. like, no, AVP volleyball, <laughs> yeah. a, a beach, something, AVP, something, right? Something that gets you there. Yeah, that's, um, that's, so, that's so funny. All right, so... Third lightning round question. Um, I want to talk about the NCAA single elimination uh, for uh, women's beach volleyball, right? Great Before question. it was du- it was eighteen's double elimination. Now yeah. I think it's sixteen, and it's single elimination. I'd like you to take sixty seconds and talk about one of the you know some of the things you like about it and some of the things you may not like about it. Maybe you feel differently about 
not having double elimination. Maybe, you, you know, maybe that yeah. makes you a little sad or whatever. But talk to me about your thoughts on this year, the first year and your out, your outlook on on women's NCAA beach being 16 teams. Yeah. But single elimination. Um, yeah, I, I love it being 16 teams It being bigger. I think that just like it, it's something really good for the sport, you know, when programs are able to actually grow and have the goal now of making making the tournament. Whereas like for other programs, that probably seemed really unrealistic. Now it's a lot more um, obviously since it's twice as big, it's a, ro- a lot more realistic for a lot more programs and encourages more growth. So I love that. Um, getting more exposure on other schools as well and like seeing different players and different stuff. That's really cool. And personally, I don't, obviously I don't play the five, five team format ever, but I don't see a problem with the single elimination when it's five matches to win, to win the duel. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like yeah. one team has a bad match and then suddenly tournament's done like an AVP qualifier. You know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, well, your ones doesn't have a, a good match that one round twos through fives. Like they can do their thing. You know what I mean? So, um, I, 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 I kind of like it. I, I think it'll be interesting. I, I want to see how it how it works this first year, but because I mean, hey, like if UCLA and USC are knocked out by like the quarters or something like that, then we might have a problem with it or so. Like yeah. if, if if some weird stuff or, happens, or not, or, right? Or, or I not mean, too. If, yeah, 100%. if you look at the six seasons, right? It's yeah. for USC to UCLA, so it's not like yeah. you know they can they they can afford a one off. Totally, <laughs> you know. But, um, yeah, my uh, do you know do you know my girlfriend Skyler? Girlfriend? I do. Yeah. No, she she was because she was at Long Beach at the beginning of this year. She she ended up leaving, but um, okay. She just that, leaving that was, or transferring? Uh, leaving, thinking thinking about transferring right now. Okay. So she's looking she's looking for a different school. Volleyball is kind of like secondary to it right now. But she she wants to keep so playing. student before the student athlete. absolutely yeah got it. Um, but uh, like. When she was at Long Beach, think about how exciting that that was for Long Beach, hearing that it was sixteen teams instead of eight when they just missed the tournament by one, by one by one uh, one place last year. You know, so yeah. seeing it from their perspective and like kind of thinking about the other schools, I definitely think it's awesome that they open they opened up the the draw a little bit. And I'm glad to personally, I have I have no problem with the single limb. I think it's. I mean, I mean, I think it's fine. It's five teams playing, you thank know, like you. one, one team can have a bad match. Even two teams can have a bad match. You can still win the duel. Like, dude, that's a lot of volleyball. I know. <laughs> let not... me actually, let me take a crack at this. I'll yeah. go one minute. All right. I love 16 teams because within the NCAA, like and, and the amount of division one <clears> teams, <throat> they should have had 16 teams a long time ago. Yeah. I know there's a little good old boys club that sees fits for Stanford to make it every year. And it was unfair to some of these teams that have been doing really well, particularly out of the South. Right. Mm-hmm. So now as far as the 16 teams are concerned, that's a no brainer. All right. Um, as far as single eliminations concerned, they could do double elimination because anyone that's ever seen an AVP that sees how that works knows that you can do double elimination in three days, yeah. particularly if you can find a way for the duels to last an hour which is what they kind of lasted anyway the duels kind of lasted an hour. am i right about that yeah but as far as them talking about the unfairness of it not being double elimination wow 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 cry me a river say that to the men's to, to men's inter, indoor volleyball right that only has like seven teams at men's seven at the but, too, yeah. no but at least that's 64 oh, the yeah, men totally. the men on, men's indoor and cw only have seven teams yeah. No, I mean, if that's any anyone that should have double elimination, you're only inviting seven teams. You could have given them that, not even given them that. So, so dial dial one eight hundred wah for like like the like the men. If you're looking for empathy, if you're looking for sympathy, look it in the, look it up in the dictionary. It's between shit and syphilis. Okay, <laughs> so, but um, 
I'm with you because yeah. NCAA is about single elimination. Yeah, it's not about double elimination. So boom, got it. Yeah, let's um finish one uh, sixty second rapid questions, Word. lightning round for you, and then we are out of here, my man, because you have to be hungry. <laughs> yeah, totally. Even though carnivore diets yeah, man, hold no, you, you over, know, carnivore exactly. diets hold you over, man. They do. It's just awesome. They do. All right, so. <clears throat> Great job about, we didn't have a conversation about taking care of your body, but I think we really covered that. The nutrition, oh, yeah, the we, nutrition we, we is like, dude, yeah. <laughs> we hit the ground running yeah. with that one. All right, so ready? Yeah. These are all you, my man, lightning round questions. And go. So favorite comedian? Uh, Anthony Jeselnik. Last good book you read? Um, Power versus Force. Pool or beach? Beach. <laughs> Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Be careful. <laughs> Great one. Um, I grew up on Harry Potter a little bit more than Lord Ooh, of the Rings. Devin's going to drop kick you. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Bourbon, vodka, or tequila? Tequila. Um, favorite sport outside of volleyball? Great question. Uh, basketball. Do you miss the scoring freeze or not? Yes. I like you it. do. I like Favorite it. action film star growing up? Liam Neeson. Nice. Um, any fun conspiracy rabbit holes? Uh, everyone. <laughs> Where's Ty Loomis for I the love, last seven I, seconds? I, I, love, I love it. Honestly, we just watched uh, Oliver Stone's JFK movie. That's a, that's a oh, the cool, movie or the, movie. The, the, the documentary? The movie. Because he did the movie in 1993, right? Yeah. And then he did a documentary because now all the, fi- all the files came out. There's only like 3% of the files. Oliver Stone did, did a documentary? Yes. It's called JFK uh, Through the Looking Glass. They, he just did it in um, 2022. No way. Oh, yeah. I got to check it out then. You have to because he does a very good comparative and contrast on the movie, what the movie covered, yeah. based on what they knew yeah, totally. in 1993 because Files came out in 1995, then again in 2006, yeah. and, then, and then just a huge dump. You had people in the archives library yeah. like setting up desks just waiting to get – so. Um, yeah, it's called uh, JFK Revisiting Through the Looking Glass or something like that. Dude, we're going we're gonna to watch that tonight then. <laughs> yeah, do that. Do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, when I had Ty Loomis on the podcast, um, someone asked him, asked me to ask him, ask him, did uh, Oswald shoot JFK? Oh, yeah. Ask him a shot. And I said, why? He said, just, no, nah, it's funny. He's, he's like that, right? So, so I asked Ty, I said, did Oswald shoot JFK? And Ty goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> He That's said, so "Dude, funny. check your history, man. Yeah. Check your." He was just like, "Don't even get me started." I was like, "Wow, a great question." Yeah. So I'm not gonna out who told me to ask him, but it, it, it's just the same. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, okay, so before we get out of here, do we? Um, is there a particular IG or site or whatever someone want to know a little bit more what you and Devin have been up to? Um, I mean, my dude, my Instagram's been dead for a while. You can follow mine me, too. John Schwang, three Gs. When um, I got, dude, when I got mine hacked, I was like, keep it. Did, fine. It, get, did it get hacked? Mine yeah. hasn't gotten hacked. I just, yeah. I just haven't, I, dude. I, I, I got friends I in low places. I got it back, year. though. I got friends in low places. Okay. They, you know, they yeah. got my back, but, but, um, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I mean, you can. Hopefully, we'll. I'll start posting more stuff again. We'll get. We'll gotta get back, back mm-hmm. up to it. Cause that, dude, that's part of the. Like I, like I was talking about off the court stuff. You yeah, know? I haven't posted on Instagram in a year. There goes sponsors for that first tournament. Right? I know. So that's that's another thing. It's just like part of the job a little bit. I also think from a fan perspective, I don't even think you and Devin have to 
do anything over the top. I just think I just be on camera, being yourselves. Uh, is int- uh, you guys are interesting enough yeah, on its own. And I think you allow the fans to take that journey screen, with you. Right? Yeah. But you allow the fans to take the journey with you. Okay. You know, some of these things, all of a sudden you get to like a semis and you lose. And then someone in the crowd, you see someone in the crowd crying. You're like, I didn't know that person cared if I did this yeah. or not. And they do because like Baranek. Baranek was out there being himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember him and Bill? Yeah. Remember how his crowd started getting bigger and bigger oh, yeah. as he started to win all the way to the semifinals? There were people that were sad for him and that yeah. were clapping and this and that. And that is great for the sport. Totally. And to Eric's credit, and I'm biased, I'm a fan, so yeah. I have to say that. Uh, um, I don't have clear objectivity when it comes to Eric. I met him in 2016. It's 2023. He's still Eric. He's not somebody else. The success did not get to him. Success changes some people. Totally. I mean, I could be a real dick and name name names now, but it, it, yeah. we're at the end of the podcast. So yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to get you out in one piece, but but it's really cool that someone is like that, and then like six years later, you could still say they're like that. Yeah, hundred percent. I had you on the podcast two years a year ago. You're still John. You've always just I hope longer so, man. hair, man. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But but being yourself is is good enough yeah. for them to. Um, uh, for you to remain an interesting person and for you to allow these people to take the journey. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, John, guys, John might like you, but I don't like you. In fact, I can't stand any of you. So, for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPads, for all of you on your iPhones, for all of you on the desktop right there, who runs the world? Old school, old school. I'm turning off the live. From my man, John Schwangle, this is episode 172 of the Option Podcast. There you are. And why did I do that? There you are. I'm Jason DeBiss. This is episode 172. And we are, let's hit our music. Stay with me. And we are out of here. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.